0: All right, so I've been on a series of the seven deadly sins, and we have covered several. We've covered greed and envy. Anybody remember what the last one was I covered? Very good. We had a little Pictionary tonight. or That's not Pictionary. I don't know what that is. What's that game where you act stuff out? Pictionary? Okay. Charades. There you go. Charades. All right. So slothfulness was the last one. Well, tonight we're going to talk about anger or wrath. And listen, I I do want to shorten tonight, but I really thought of our teens. They're they're like they're t- they're ch- ch- and they're like oh he's talking to us. I really thought of our teens because not just the school shootings, but if anything you see you cannot even say anything on your social media without someone taking offense and there being an argument or fight. And and honestly, there's sometimes that. At school, how many at school has ever seen a fight break out a physical fight? Okay, don't raise your hand to on this one because there's parents in here, but how many's ever been in one? <laughs> That's okay. See as a student you learn n- to follow instructions. I was trying to save you there, but you raise your hand. All right, <coughs> I had a guy who I worked, I sacked groceries. You know what you know what sacking groceries is? Did you know that used to be a job? yeah you know I competed in a grocery sacking contest that <laughs> actually became state, and I won the state for our for Phillips grocery store and others that were included you had to you had to stack it in such a way that it stood on its own. they did a like shake test you couldn't <laughs> smash anything like eggs, bread, and all that, and it had to be perfectly square. you almost had to see the paper sack hold its form, nothing bulging, and you had to, it was timed and they give you random stuff and i I wasn't supposed to get tips, but they finally told me I could because the older ladies really liked my conversation. And so <laughs> I would walk them out, and although I wouldn't get a lot of people's grocery sack because I'd be talking a lot, in we'd talk a lot, right? Well, I'm telling you this to tell you, I'll tell you how cool my job was until a young cashier girl who wasn't interested in me, I wasn't interested in her, there's no other romantic, but at break time, she was telling me how her boyfriend was beating on her, was beating her up. I grew up in a household where you weren't even allowed to wrestle with your sisters. If you left a bruise, you would get a whipping from your dad. And so that really rubbed me wrong. And so I just was trying to console her and talk to her, you know, and I wasn't the most outstanding Christian. Like, I didn't really make my faith out there at that time. And, uh, you know, I thought I was doing it. And so by maybe the leading of the Lord or it was stupidity because I don't know, he might have been trying to do something or I might have just been stupid. I wrote her a note. To just encourage her, which her boyfriend found in her pocket, <laughs> which her boyfriend went to my school and was one of the most feared men. His name was Jerome Burris, and he just liked to fight. When Desert Storm happened, Jerome Burris begged the recruiters. He wasn't old enough to let him go because he wanted to go kill people, okay? Shaved his head, and everybody feared him. You ever played dodgeball? They had a dodgeball, you know, in the gym. This guy would leave welts. He'd, he'd give you a second head. You'd leave with, like, a second head. You'd be I mean, he he would whiz those things, and if you didn't see it coming, it just was like your world just changed for a minute. Like, poof, and you're just seeing the wall spin. One time, somehow I got him upset. I actually hit him. I would always stand on the side like I was out, but within the game, to try to just make it through the game without getting hit. I'm just letting you know, I was not always the, hey, let's charge the gates of hell, you know, and like kick the devil in teeth. I was like, just let's survive, you know. <laughs> and so... Jerome was up there, and he was annihilating people, right? And a ball rolls me. Well, the, I think the rule was if a ball came to you, you had to throw it. You couldn't hang on to it, and you couldn't just drop it, right? So I'm stuck. The coach is watching. Jerome's not watching. He's the only guy left on the other team. So, whew, and I could never throw. In fact, they used to tell the joke, "Like, bro, you throw it like a girl." That time, the Holy Spirit must have gave me aim and made that ball fly <laughs> swift and straight. And boom! <laughs> And it shook him only for about two seconds and he turned and eyes locked on. It was just like one of those shows, you know, you're watching the bully and I'm like trembling. As soon as they announced we were out and we were walking down these steps where the coach couldn't see, I felt this arm go around my neck and room into the railing and took me in there in the lockers and bashed my head in the lockers a few times. And So that was our first encounter. And then the <laughs> second encounter was, <laughs> the second encounter was with, with, over this girl that I wasn't even interested in. She wasn't interested in me. But he took it. Well, I happen to be, they would let you volunteer at like counselor's office. And so I was allowed during a certain free time to go and I would just take notes to get people out of class at the counselor's. Well, I went and told one of the counselors, I got a problem. This guy wants to kill me. (laughs) It's like you're watching the clock. You know that day he's going to wait for you after school. I said, I got to do something because once school's out, I have no protection. And my car is parked over behind where the old Pete's hut was where people would park. And I had this old muscle car. and, And I was like, to get to my car, he parks over there too. I'm just... I'm stuck, you know. And so she said, well, why don't you all work it out now? Listen, I love our teachers and our counselors, <laughs> but I still think to this day that lady had no sense at all. She had no business being a counselor. Who would put you in a room by yourself with the guy who wants to kill you, right? But that was her bright idea. So I'm all the way to his class going and hand the note. Of course, he's just steaming, looking at me. We have to walk next to each other. And he's the whole time just, you know, like this, all the way to the counselor's office. She closed the door. First thing it says, I don't want your girlfriend. I don't I don't want your girlfriend cuz he was about to come across the yes, listen. Nothing wrong with her. Just I don't she was telling me some things and I was just trying to console and I'm I'm taking too long. But I'm just telling you this is how it went and he then he starts saying, "I know she's stupid and this and that and this that. Uh, and then I got mad. <laughs> and the more he went, I was like, this is the Brahma in me. Okay? This is my dad coming out. You know, it's like the injustice is happening, and then, like I'm, not, I'm forgetting that he can kill me, right? And I'm just thinking, somebody's going to write this wrong. And I'm just like, you know what? I think you're the one that's stupid, you know? And just, well, it was back on again. <laughs> and he had to go back to class because he wasn't going to do it in there. And we got out there, and he pulled the same thing. He grabbed my head and went to run it into his own car <laughs> and slipped, and his head hit the grill and busted it and knocked him out. <laughs> And I jumped in my car and I took off. <laughs> that was my encounter with burst. And I don't know how, but he let it go after that. That was it. Never spoken of, never anything. But listen, that was the good old days when you had to worry about your head going through a grilled car. Our teens are worried about somebody coming with a gun or a knife. And wrath is a very serious thing. Every sin that I can list here on these seven deadly sins—greed, envy, slothfulness, anger, or anger, wrath, lust, gluttony, pride—all those. But but our teens are facing wrath in, in these unprecedented proportions, you know. There's there's some realities I mentioned about this list. All of them bring disorder and confusion and chaos to lives. The deadly sins do. They all de- deny the limits of proper things. Like pride denies the limit of authority, and envy denies the limit of what's appropriately mine. You know, when you envy things. It's not really appropriate to yours, but you think you deserve it. Slothfulness denies the limit of diligence and faithfulness. Greed denies the limits of possession. Gluttony denies the limits of consumption. But wrath denies the limits of appropriate response. Something triggers in our sinful nature that I don't understand, but it's very spiritual. And There's times when people don't deliver a rep- what the world consider appropriate response and go completely overboard to the point that we're going to look at one story in the scripture we've looked at recently where wrath went way further than anyone would have imagined. But in the end, despair is the result of all of this. Depression. You know, I, I was I was dreading going to school that day. I knew that it was up, and I knew that even though he didn't know the truth of it that I was gonna have to face him and, and I just couldn't even sleep that night before. Here I am. I'm in my teens. You should have nothing that keeps you up at night in your teens. But it did. You know, if you can think of a time in your life you've been a believer for a while when you were, everything's good, you're reading scripture, you know, you're, you're praying like you should and everything's good. You know, there's times when, when things aren't going good and you really wish they were back to that. Every Christian I've met, if they've walked away from the Lord or they just had a time of drought in their spiritual walk, they'll go back. Our topic tonight, wrath or uncontrolled anger, I want to look at Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soils and an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look on favor. Something young people want you to understand about the character nature of God. You cannot look at God and try to understand him through looking at this world and understand him. Because right now in your culture, everybody wants everybody to be able to do what's right in their own eyes and there's going to be no ultimate right and wrong. Am I right? If you went to school and tried to tell all your friends that they have to think like what you think they should think like, how long would that last? If you try to tell them those are ultimate right and wrong, they might get off on a topic and say, yeah, but you know, try talking about abortion or try talking about this or that with them and there is going to be some heated debate, right? Because everybody, everybody has their own idea about right and wrong. Do you know that God, the way we are designed, you cannot fight it, but God, because he is a perfect God and he is a righteous God, that when we sin, there is blood that is required. That the wages of sin is death. And, you know, we hear that scripture, but we don't always think about the fact that we, we can't change that, right? We'd like to think, well, maybe that's just some baloney and it's the Bible. It was written a long time ago. But I'm going to show you in a minute that the same thing that happened with Cain and Abel still exists today. And you cannot change the fact that when we sin, there's going to be blood for it. The difference is because what Jesus did on the cross for us, we have an opportunity to receive the blood of Christ to cover our sins so that we don't have to physically die ourselves or someone else lose their life. Because of that. So God didn't look on Cain's uh, offering of favor because, I mean, it was some of the fruits, but but Abel took something very expensive. If if you take some fruit off of a tree, if you just take, say, let's say we got a peach tree and we take some peaches off, um, can you come back and get peaches the next year? If you kill a calf and eat it, can you come back and kill the calf again and eat it again? No. Here here's that's the that's the idea here is that Abel brought a much more worthy sacrifice to the Lord because it was something of significance that, that was truly perishable it could not be redone again so the verse 6 says then the Lord said to Cain why are you angry why is your face downcast if you do what's right will you not be accepted One of the things we tell our kids all the time, and this may sound mean, but if they're running when we told them not to run and then they crash into something, they're crying, I don't scoop them up and say, I'm so sorry, baby, I'm so sorry that happened. I'm like, get up, guess what happened? You sin, and guess what happens? There's consequences. Now that may sound cruel, but what I'm trying to teach them is for every action they do in life, there is a reaction. And in God's terms, when we sin, there's going to be a penalty. There's going to be something. It's maybe not immediate, there's some people that can get away with certain sins for a long time. You think of a serial killer; some of them got away 30 years, right? Eventually, got caught up. Some never have gotten caught, but in God's, in God's realm, they will answer for that, and they'll pay dearly. But, but see, we live in a world where we think if we can get away with it, then hey, that's all right. Verse seven: If you do right, then you will will you not be accepted? But if you do if you do not do what's right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, "Let's go out to the field." You always know when there's like especially I have twin boys or 12, 7-year-old little girl, when like, "Hey Lily, come here." You hear it like that, you know, "Hey Lily, you better not come here." When they're both like waiting somewhere, "Hey Lily, come here." She's going to get doused with something, she's going to get Treated badly. So he says, let's go out the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Verse 9, then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? And he knew where his brother Abel was. But But here's the thing about the Lord. You ever wonder why he's not playing games? The Lord wants us to own up to our actions and confess. That's why it says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. Confess what you need. That's like, if you don't ask for things, God's like, well, you didn't ask me. God, I really need this job to provide my fam- for my family. If it's your will, i really like to have it. Some people just say, I need that job, but they won't go to the Lord. So he wants you to confess. God wants conversation. He wants relationship. He wants you to converse with him, to commune with him. He wants you to talk to him. Uh, you know, he, he wants you to say, hey, look, my heart hurts because of what's going on in my life. And he wants to answer that so that you can see that he's really... Interacting with you. Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Why didn't he buy an animal from his brother? Pride. Younger brother, why would I have to go to him to get something? I'd take care of myself. After his sacrifice was unacceptable, why did he turn on his brother? Was it envy? Pride prohibited him from acceptable worship, and envy drove him to wrath. Uh, wrath to murder. Here's what I'm going to tell you young people that I've learned in my life and listen, I, I'm always cognizant of the fact that I'm this old guy now. I'm 44 and and maybe shaving helped a little so you don't think I'm near as old, but but uh, I'm still old. But listen, it's like yesterday sitting in your seat, hearing a preacher preach, knowing that I was going to go to school and face some things and I was probably going to bend to some pressure. I was going to Try to fight it because I really do want to know what it's like to live for the Lord fully. I, I've been on those ends. But I'm going to tell you something. You have to realize that these God principles that you cannot change, you cannot ignore them. Or before you know it, you'll be somewhere you never thought you'd be. There's a little fun saying that says sin will keep you longer than you want to stay, cost you more than you want to pay. Right? I didn't. I missed a part. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay, and that's true. So that person at school that you, you know, my boys have idolized somebody before, and it's not always been a bad, bad thing, in fact, you know, of that person, but we're trying to teach them, don't idolize somebody, because you know what, when that person starts making bad decisions, guess what the temptation is to do? To follow suit, right? If it's a popular person, and they start doing things, then guess what, you're faced with Do I follow and do what they do so I can be part of that crowd or do I stand on my own and look like a nerd or be labeled something or whatever? And adults, we don't think we deal with that, but we do. We do. You've got that person at work that you sit at the break room or whatever and they want to gossip and they want to talk bad about people and and you're you're thinking you're doing the Lord's work by just nodding and not saying anything. But truth is, because you know the truth, you need to speak into their life. You need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you and to say things that aren't, Aren't to hurt them but say, listen, you know what? I have learned in my life that if I can get free of talking about all the mess of other people, then 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 I truly feel free. But while I'm doing that, I always feel like I'm in bondage. Speak the truth into their life. Listen to this. It was Friday at the high school in Red Hill, Pennsylvania, a calm middle America school with a few problems. A 15-year-old boy named Jason Smith walked into one of his classes, and just before class began, he stood, pulled a 9-millimeter pistol from his wristband waistband, and pointed the gun in the face of Michael Swan. And he said, "Would you like to laugh at me now?" He fired three rounds into his head and killed Michael Swan. Jason Jason Smith was five foot four inches. He had been terrorized by the six-foot-five-inch swan since fifth grade. And enough was enough. As he was led away in handcuffs by the police, he was asked why he did it, and Jason replied, I was just tired of being picked on. We live in a violent society. Violence is, in so many ways, TV shows, listen, I've been drawn into them. I'm not trying to preach down at you. There's nothing I like better. I I watch crime, reality crime shows. Because I like to see the bad guy caught. But you know truth is I have to limit how much I just. I don't want to soak all that in all the time. Uh, you know I watch some of that. And I, I don't feel convicted that I watch a little bit. But you've got to be careful. You can get consumed by the violence. You can get consumed by. Do you know one of the the, the fastest viral websites. This is way back. This maybe 80s. And I'm not going to mention the name. Because there was a website. That got taken down eventually. And how it got popular. It was people getting massacred hurt, or murdered, and you're seeing the actual video. I mean everything from people getting run over in other countries and the highway and everybody standing around looking at the corpse. Uh, morbid stuff. But yet, they say that it w- was a mixture. They, they were able to kind of pull, they were able to find out. They had a whole wide variety of people in society that liked to watch that thing. I'm telling you, there's something in our sinful nature that has a fascination with destruction, death, and can lead to Murder. if if young person if you got a temper the thing and what i'm saying is 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 the bible says be angry and sin not you're going to get angry things are going to make you angry but it's what you do with that do you dwell on it do you let it fester do you keep focused on it listen some of us may have to deal with something a parent did to us of all people a parent but what do you do with that? Because here's, here in this story with Cain and Abel is Cain had the, the choice to submit himself to the Lord in God's ways and say, look, I don't necessarily like this, that my brother's getting had a good attention. But if you're saying I need to follow in his footsteps to, to do what is righteous in your eyes, then maybe I need to buy a calf from my brother and sacrifice it to the Lord. We see in this story in Genesis the combination of the first three deadly sins. And I wonder a little bit if Adam and Eve, and I feel for parents, that when confronted with the the demonized wrath of a son and then the premature death of another, if they didn't pray together at night and weep and say, what have I done? What did I do to cause this? But the truth is, parents, that at some point our kids and our teens, they have to make their own decision for the Lord. Once they've heard the truth, they're responsible for it. I don't want to scare you away from church but you know that the words that I'm speaking right now that in God's realm what I speak you're responsible for. Not because of me. Doesn't make me feel cool at all. In fact that scares me because what I speak I'm even more accountable for. Because if I lead you astray God says I might as well tie a millstone around my neck and throw myself in the sea. I might as well off myself is what the word says rather than do that. But it's true. Here's the thing. When we are threatened to get angry and to dwell on it then wrath and even murder are a possibility for us. Now, if that doesn't mess with you, I don't know what else I could say. Because some of us have been Christians for a long time. We have kids, we love them, we have a wife, we love them. But I've watched plenty of those crime stories to see preachers and Christian people in churches end up on trial for murder of their spouse or even their children because they didn't handle things the way God did and they let some anger or jealousy or pride or lust or others of those work their way in and take them down a path they never thought they'd go. And at the same time, I could be listening to this sermon and be bored out of my mind because I think, that won't happen to me. I remember Pastor Roger and Sharon were talking to Jennifer and I before we were pastors they were mentoring us and we'd had a couple in the church that had gone through a divorce and I was asking how in the world can you sit under God's word and be you know I should learn because I did this at Bible school how can you go to Bible school and get kicked out guess who got kicked out of Bible school I had to come back you know let sin in my life so you know, I'm sitting here saying, how can you do that? I mean, you've got an opportunity with a body of believers to, to circle around your marriage and you, you can find Christian counseling and the church will come around you and all this stuff. Pastor Roger stopped me and said, oh, CJ, you got to be careful, brother. You're not immune to the very same thing. I said, oh, Pastor Roger, if you knew how me and Jen met, we both got dumped on big time. Had, I had gone through all kinds of junk that I brought on myself, and I know what I've got, and nobody's ever getting between me and Jen, and we're not, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm just telling you, you need to be careful with that kind of attitude. It's exactly how the devil gets a foothold. And that is true. I equate sometimes how we approach sin and our susceptibility to it is how I am when I got a motorcycle after 20 years of riding motorcycle, 20 plus now. I've had this same motorcycle 19 years and it wasn't my first. And if I swing my leg over that thing and I run rode, rode down the highway, I'm still scared looking at every person driving, pulling out, whatever. You'd think after 20 some years, I'd just be so confident, it'd be no big deal. But I'm not. And that's why I think I'm still alive after riding a motorcycle, right? <laughs> but wrath is the sin that does consume all the people who surround it. I've seen parents berate their children over spilling something in a restaurant. And I mean, just keep on. Even I've heard someone call their child stupid, and I want to lunge across the table and choke them out. Not kill them, choke them out. They come back. It closes their mouth for a while and everything else. And they had to repent because, you know what? Their child would be the first one to defend them, the one that's getting berated. Because a child doesn't want more wrath. They don't want wrath to come to their parent, maybe for a moment of of wrath themselves, like, man, I wish they'd get what they're giving to me. But but truth is, it's like when battered women will keep going back to that spouse who batters them. It's not that they, uh, you know, you're like, why don't she just take a baseball bat to him while he's sleeping? Because they have felt the wrath. They have felt the devil's wrath on themselves, and they don't wish that on anybody. Sometimes even the one bringing it to them. See, when you've tasted real wrath, y- uh, there's a weird thing that happens. There's a God moment where you almost become more peaceful because you just realize uh, nobody needs that. I'm going to tell you something a little shocking because I like to do that because I'm kind of just that guy. And this isn't to drum up anything, but you know, since I've been a pastor, I had my life threatened by someone. And it's been long enough now I can say it. We had to be on high alert for a while. Somebody went off the rocker and Literally, he was telling people, I'm going to find him, and he better have a weapon on him, I'm going to kill him. And, you know, even to this day, it was back in the motorcycle realm, and, you know, last week, I go pulling down my road, and there is about 100 to 150 bikers with my road blocked off, and there's guys standing out like this, facing. And my first thought was, it's been a long time, but I wonder... (laughs) And they actually started walking towards my truck, and I put it in reverse, kind of backed up, and they just started pointing like that. Well, we'll come down find out later, they're waving me back, but it looked like they're pointing at me. So I put it in reverse, and I stepped on the gas a little faster. I called Jen, I said, Lock the doors, I'm calling the police. Come to find out, they're organizing for a funeral a procession, and for whatever reason, they took command of our road there to organize. Nobody could pass. But I've tasted what when when the devil gets in somebody's heart and brings wrath to the point they want them, whether it was true or not, or they're just talking big. You know, my theory is if you talk big, why didn't you do something when you're talking, when people threaten? But but the truth is, is I've known what that feels like to have somebody's wrath at me, and I don't wish that on anybody. I didn't go looking over my shoulder, but at the same time, I have a wife and kids I had to look out for, I had a church body I had to look out for proverbs twenty twenty seven four says anger is cruel and fury overwhelming but who can stand before jealousy proverbs fifteen eighteen a hot tempered man stirs up dissension but a patient man calms a quarrel proverbs nineteen nineteen hot tempered man must pay the pen a hot tempered man must pay the penalty if you rescue him you will have to do it uh, do it again proverbs twenty seven three stone a stone is heavy and sand a burden, but provocation or provo- provoking something by a fool is heavier than both. And what some of these are saying is, is that people who are quarrelsome, if you rescue them from a situation they got themselves in, chances are you'll be doing it again. Because when our heart is set on wrath or set on being quarrelsome, and I have known people, I have known people even in church bodies who, who it's just like they get some adventure and some fun out of being in a fight with someone or arguing with someone. And listen, they're toying with something mightier than they realize. They, they are fishing for wrath to come to their doorstep. 1 Timothy 2.8 I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. You know, I want to ta- say something in closing one more time to what we talked about in worship. And I don't know how much more straight to put this. Young people, older people, everyone, middle people, people that have their own idea about how old they are whatever it is, you may not understand why I'm challenging you to raise your hands to the Lord or to react. You may not. And now that I'm a pastor trying to challenge you to that, now I remember when Pastor Jim was trying to say, come on church, go after God, and it used to annoy me. There's a little bit of rebellion that pops up in us, wants to keep us to that. And, and, and many times we'll see ourselves a certain way uh, that we think God may be mad at us, God may be ashamed of us if you only knew what I did this last week. If you only knew how I'm trying to be Christian here, but I'm not living it there, or maybe I am, you know, doing well everywhere, but I'm not leading people, to the Lord. And we got all this junk that flies through our head that the enemy puts there. And so we get into worship service and, we're like, look, I'm just here to try to hope something happens to me. I just hope something different happens to me once, maybe this year. Maybe if I go to this church, something will change in my life and I'll be a little better before the Lord. Let me tell you something. It's like a catch-22. The longer you resist letting go in worship, the longer it's going to be till you really find out who you are in Christ. Because I found my true identity in Christ when I quit worrying about what other people think and I finally worshiped him with everything I got, even if I looked silly doing it. Because he would energize me. He'd give me I'm telling you, I can't explain it, but it literally is like the devil is shooting bullets at you and you're chewing them up and spitting nails back in his coffin. You're just that wound up about it because you, you're you totally... Brother Mike Mitchell that started coming to this church, he was a pastor for I think over 40 years or, or somewhere close to there. And we were talking about this a little bit. And he said, you know what the issue is? Is Why, why we must understand the words we're singing. You know, he was is, he is talking about what I said that we're trying to be intentional about teaching you. That the songs we sing, I want you to be able to know the words and sing them even when you're not here, that they'll come back in your memory. He said, you know why I believe that's important? He said, because you cannot totally abandon yourself in the presence of God until you are truthfully, you're saying things to him and you're saying it with all your heart and truth. And if you don't know the words that you're wanting to say, if you don't know what you can say to him, if you're confused about that conversation, you're not going to be able to just abandon. What that means is you totally don't care about whether my, what my parents think I should worship God, my, my siblings, my friends, but all I'm doing here is I'm here to connect with God and anybody that wants to do it with me, I'm, I'm with them. And I just don't know how else I can, I can say it, but I just wish I could take you back some years of my life. Some of you may be older than me, but I wish I could take you back I wish you could see in my eyes and in my heart the transformation of what God's done in my heart. You can't see it. You can't feel that, that I'm feeling. But even now, it's like it's like this little puppy dog running around the side. I'm still going after worship. And I, I just long for worship. I literally almost came to tears telling our worship team, said, guys, I need us to not do any songs just to do songs. I need us to do songs that tear us up because I need that. I'm sorry to be selfish, and I do worry about everybody else in the congregation, but I need that. Where I go to church and I bring my family, I need to be just totally torn up before the Lord because if I can empty the junk that keeps trying to stick to me during the week and get rid of it in the service, then I have an opportunity, a true opportunity for the Holy Spirit to fill me with something that's going to send me out the doors and light my world up for Christ. And that's a pastor speaking. I need it. I don't know what happens in the other churches. We rarely get to visit anywhere else. Some of y'all visit some other churches. I don't know. I'm not going to compare. I don't care to I pray it for every church. I I don't know how lit up the other pastors are, but I'm just saying we need to all get so hungry for a move of God that it don't matter how long it takes or how short it takes, we just don't care about the details. God, just bring it. And that's why I've been praying in service. I'm up here shouting for you. I'm like, bring it, bring it, Lord, bring it. Pour out your spirit on these people. Lord, let them just abandon themselves this morning. Young people, because I know this church, other church, wherever God lands you, whatever you do in life, God has purposed you. He's brought you here strategically. You're here tonight strategically, but you're going to be presented with an opportunity. I don't care which one of the group it is. Whether you believe this or not, I'm going to speak these words and it's going to be true. God is trying to purpose for you an opportunity to help lead in a church somewhere. He wouldn't have brought you here. There could be millions of other teens here tonight. He's brought you. There's other churches, same situation, but he is presenting an opportunity to you. What you do with it is up to you because he's giving you free will. He's not going to make you. He's not going to command you. He's just going to say, "I love you." Here's my word. I'm present to you. And what you do with it. What you don't realize is that with all the fun that's going on in high school, and then all the drama that goes on in high school, junior high, all that, all that's going to be gone like a vapor soon. Real world starts jobs, right? <laughs> Save responsibilities. Yeah. But listen. The opportunities He provides for you to grow in Him and become who He's called you to be will always be there. It's never going to be stop. It's never going to stop. If you fail at, at answering to His call, or whatever He's calling you up to do, then He's not going to fail you. He's just going to give you the test again until you finally submit to it, or you'll be miserable like I was working eight years at Walmart trying to climb the ladder and miserable as it can be because I was called to ministry, not doing it. All right, I got to wrap up because I. We're going to go longer than I said. i just say this. Jesus said, if a man hits you, let him hit you again. If he steals your cloak, give him your shirt also. If he makes you walk one mile, then go two. You know, my response to when someone said, I better have a knife or a gun next time they see me because they will kill me. I said, brother, I am ready to go meet the Lord. And if he allows you to do that, my family be okay. And if you came after me and my family, God has it under control. And you're not coming against me, but you're coming against God. And he's swearing and spitting in my face and all kinds of stuff. And I just said, I'm here. If you're going to do something, I'm here. I wasn't testing him. I wasn't trying to bow up to him. I just said, that's how confident I am in my my Lord. And you know what I told him? I love you. Don't know if he heard it, with all the stuff he was yelling. But I said, I love you anyway. That's not even bragging to me. That's the Holy Spirit doing work. That's that's what we preached before is about his righteousness being ours. Jesus shines through in these moments where you get out of the way. Where wrath could have come because I'm, I'm 6'1", 260 pounds. And I think something of my uh, physical ability even though it's diminishing. And he was a scrawny guy. And in the natural, the thought could have come in my head, I will squash you so hard right now you won't even know what hit you. That's what m- men we like to think, right? Devin's got a smirk. He's like, yeah, buddy. Let's talk about that. And it could have. I've failed in those areas where God's wanted to do something different. But ladies, same thing. In fact, sometimes more so because you get protective of your man. Somebody does something to your man and he's let it go. He vented and got off and you're still ready to scratch some eyes out. This is important for our church because we have a community of people who are in a culture right now where wrath is acceptable. If someone wrongs you, you're okay to beat them up. And those of you that aren't YouTubers, you know you see it on the news. Truth is, right now in our culture, if someone went out here and started, they could go out here with a Trump sign. They could go out here with an abort- anti-abortion sign. They could go out here with a lot of things. We're not talking about signs. They could go out here, and there could be a high possibility, maybe not as much in this area others, that they're going to get a physical beat down. You could have stood on a corner with a sign, a similar sign, five years ago, people are like, idiot. And that's about as much as the wrath went have gone. I'm telling you, the enemy is winning on the grounds of wrath. Don't let yourself get pulled into in the small decisions headed in a path towards wrath. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that tonight, God, I, I know I went longer. And God, we make a commitment to, to do shorter. But I know these words for whatever team or persons here. Maybe even now they're like, I don't have anything going on where I have to worry about wrath. But God, I believe that when you bring these messages, that there is something the enemy is plotting and planning, that these words, your, your word says that all of your word is good for correction, reproof, for building up, for teaching, for admonishing. And so God, with all that in mind, we have to be mindful that we may be facing something difficult in our, our future that has to do with wrath. And God, I just pray that you would right now speak to our hearts God, settle in our hearts this word that we might remember it in those moments. Your word says, hide hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. So God, when the enemy tries to bring wrath to our doorstep, let us stand firm on the word we've learned tonight. Let us also speak that into the lives of others. That God, while the enemy is trying to bring wrath to every doorstep in our country, and in our world, God, we will be salt in this world. We'll be the light that brings the truth that wrath is not of you. Retaliation is not of you. Forgiveness, compassion, or love for even our enemies is your character and nature, and you have instilled in those who will believe and follow you, and we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're welcome to spend time at the altars if you feel uh, led to do so, or if you want to visit, I just ask that you go out.